On this episode of This Week in Linux, KDE has released a new version of their Plasma desktop. There's a lot of distro news to cover like Endless OS, Fedora Linux, Open Mandriva, Esquelis Linux, and more. We'll also cover the future of Thunderbird email client and the latest release of the Budgie desktop, and so much more. If you're new to Twill, this is the show that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20 year plus Linux user. So be sure to like and subscribe and all that good stuff. And from the Tux Digital Network, I'm Michael Tunnell, and this is your weekly source for Linux good news. This episode of Twill is sponsored by Linode and by Bitwarden. The KDE team have announced the latest release of KDE Plasma 5.27. For those who are long-term viewers of Twill, you are likely not surprised that I am very excited for this release of Plasma. This adds so much great stuff that I have been anticipating for a very long time, most notably the tiling window management. I am very excited for that. This release comes with a lot of new features, including the tiling window management, as well as a new welcome app and many new features added to KRunner. They've also been revamping the multi-monitor support and much, much more. Normally, I would go through the list of the new features and changes in depth here on Twill, but we decided to give KDE Plasma 5.27 a spin on Destination Linux so you can get my review, as well as Jill's and Ryan's review on the latest episode of Destination Linux, where we'll give you the full breakdown of what we think about this new release. So if you'd like to learn more, link in the show notes. But also be sure to check out episode 313 of Destination Linux. The Endless Foundation announced the release of Endless OS 5.0. This is a really big update that has a lot of new features and backend technologies. For example, this release of Endless OS offers a refreshed desktop experience with GNOME 41 as the base for their updated EOS shell. This release also adds backend stuff like better multi-graphics support to help laptop batteries last longer by not requiring the use of dedicated graphics cards, and it also adds support for the Wayland Display Server protocol. In addition to all of that, this release also introduces multi-touch gestures and an all-new App Center. Speaking of which, since Endless OS is an app-centric distro, the new App Center no longer has hard-coded lists of apps and promises to make it easier than ever to find, download, and install all the apps that you might need. With this in mind, Endless OS 5.0 includes more apps using the more and more popular universal format, Flatpaks. For those who are Linux enthusiasts who watch this show to stay up to date with what's going on in the Linux and open source world, you might be curious as to why Endless OS is chose to use GNOME 41 instead of GNOME 43, which is the current version, or GNOME 44, which is right around the corner. Well, Endless OS is a unique distro offering because they focus more about making it possible for offline computing to be viable and being able to deploy this distro into educational institutions and many things like that and have more control over the system on the administrative side. So that means that's the focus of it and the latest and greatest software is not the core point of the project. If you are the type who is looking for the latest versions of your DE and apps, then Endless OS might not be the best choice for you. But if you want a Debian-based distribution with a unique approach, then it might be worth having a look. If you'd like to learn more about Endless OS, you'll find links in the show notes. Linux 6.1 has been promoted to being an LTS release of the kernel, as announced by the Linux stable maintainer, Greg Crow-Hartman. Greg K.H. formerly recognized 6.1 as the LTS kernel recently, and with it comes a longer period of maintenance. As of now, the plan is to maintain Linux 6.1 through December 2026, which is just a few months longer than the current Linux 5.15 LTS series. 
which will be maintained through October 2026. It is possible for Linux 6.0 to be upgraded from the four-year LTS to a six-year LTS, but we will have to wait and see if that happens. It is interesting because the number of Linux LTS series being maintained simultaneously is growing, and this potential upgrade of 6.1 will ultimately depend on how much it is used by the major industries and how much commitment there is for testing. Initially, 6.1 Linux LTS was marked as a just a two-year LTS prior to being updated to the four-year current maintenance period. So it might be upgraded again to a six-year window, but we'll have to see if that happens in the future. Also, there'll be other LTSs in the future, so there's that. If you'd like to learn more about this news, then check out the links in the show notes. Transmission 4.0 was released recently, and with it comes a lot of new features and improvements to this very popular BitTorrent client. Transmission 4.0 has been in development for more than a year, and has been more than two years or so since the release of Transmission 3.0, so there was a lot to be expected of 4.0, and they didn't disappoint. Transmission 4.0 introduces support for version 2 of the BitTorrent client, and support for hybrid torrents. 4.0 also adds support for the IPv6 block list and revamps the web client with full mobile support, including full screen and dark mode support. This work also includes migrating the entire code base, which is a major undertaking, from C to C++, as well as lots of changes to the GUI options. For those unaware, Transmission supports multiple GUI toolkits, including GTK and Qt. And with Transmission 4.0, the app has been upgraded to support GTK 4 and Qt 6. Other new features include an option to omit potentially identifying information like user agent and date created when creating new torrents, and the ability to set default trackers that can be used to announce all public torrents, and the ability to specify the piece size when creating new torrents. There is so much more included in this new release under the hood improvements, such for example, like performance and optimizations, and so much more. If you'd like to learn more about Transmission 4.0, then you'll find links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Linode. Visit linode.com slash tux, that's linode.com slash T-U-X, and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. Linode provides solutions and services to accelerate innovation. What does it mean? Well, you can build everything yourself or you can use one-click apps from their Linode app marketplace. And there's tons of options in there to deploy everything from Plesk and WordPress to Valheim and Minecraft servers. Linode even has VPN-friendly virtual servers so you can create secure connections over the internet protecting you on public Wi-Fi, keeping your data private and guarding you from malware. If that wasn't enough, every plan comes from Linode with Linode's amazing human-powered customer support. What does that mean? Well, if you need help, someone will pick up the phone, respond to your email, or reply to you on social media 24-7, 365. I know that's a crazy idea, but yes, humans are involved in the support. So visit linode.com tux to create a free account. Plus, when you use that URL, you will let them know that we sent you and of course, that's good for us, but you'll also get a 60-day free credit of $100. That's right, $100 free credit when you sign up at linode.com slash tux. So again, go get started on Linode's awesome cloud platform by going to linode.com slash T-U-X. The Thunderbird team has released a blog post that talks about the future of the Thunderbird email client. There is a lot of exciting new stuff going on in that project, and many of these things have been long requested by the community. So it is great to see what the plans are for this roadmap. They say that throughout the next three years, the Thunderbird project is aiming at the following primary objectives. 
First of all, they plan to make the code base leaner and more reliable by rewriting some portions that they classify as ancient code and also remove technical debt for the project. The next thing is they plan on rebuilding the interface from scratch to create a consistent design system, as well as developing and maintaining an adaptable and extremely customizable user interface. Personally, the user interface is one of the things that makes Thunderbird feel out of date and modernizing it will go a long way to bringing Thunderbird back to the forefront of email clients where it once was. The last item on their roadmap is that they are going to be switching to a monthly release schedule. Now, this is interesting because Thunderbird being based on Firefox is kind of odd in how they inherit version numbers because they don't release the same cadence that Firefox does. So they kind of looks like they're jumping 20 versions at a time, but they're not really. It's just not what's visible in their release notes. They skip a lot of version numbers with the public stable releases. And with this new monthly release schedule, they will be able to keep up with Firefox going forward. Although this sounds really interesting and Thunderbird has been a mainstay in the open source world for many, many years, but it has fallen to the wayside recently due to how out of date it feels. And it's missing some critical features that people come to expect, such as threaded conversations, for example. I switch back and forth between Thunderbird and other clients here and there, hoping that Thunderbird has made the needed improvements. And thus far, I've always gone back to something else, even if the alternatives aren't that great either. This roadmap though, is planned out for three years, and that seems like a long time. And well, in software development, it kind of is. But with that said, I'm very happy to see that Thunderbird intends to make these changes because the project really needs revamping, and what they're planning to change sounds like a great start. Hopefully, we can get some of those critical features like threaded conversations prior to the new UI, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. If you'd like to learn more about this news for Thunderbird's future, then check out the links in the show notes. Canonicals announced that they have become a premier member of the Academy Software Foundation, or the ASWF. This association aims to bring together members across the media and entertainment industry to improve collaborations involving open source software. This is great because they're joining the likes of Red Hat and many others as a part of the Academy Software Foundation. Now, this is something that I think is interesting because the movie industry is actually a big component for innovation in the open source ecosystem. It might not seem like that because we rarely hear anything about open source software when it comes to the movie industry, but it is true. They heavily utilize open source software and even contribute to it. There was a survey done in 2018 that showed that 84% of filmmakers used open source software in some way, so it is significant. But in order to do this news justice, I think we need to hear from an industry insider. And that's why you should check out episode 312 of Destination Linux, where we get Jill's take on this news. Because for those who are not aware, Jill has worked in the movie industry doing animation work and is a professor of animation as, as well for many, many years. You don't want to miss this episode of Destination Linux because Jill offers a lot of fascinating inside info on this and what it could mean for open source and Linux, as well as her experience meeting the president of the ASWF and so much more. So check it out. If you'd like to learn more, go to Destination Linux 312, which will be linked in the show notes. The Esqualis Linux team released the latest version of their educational-centric distro with Esqualis Linux 8.0. For those unfamiliar, Esqualis Linux is a distribution aimed at the education sector, from preschool to high school, and includes a collection of educational software, such as out-of-the-box, Esqualis Linux comes with apps like TuxPaint, KDE's GCompre, TuxMath, Scratch, GeoGebra, Calcium, and many more. 
This latest release has a lot of new features and improvements over the previous version of the distro, but this release also marks the 25th anniversary of Esquelis Linux. This is a huge milestone for any project, so I wanted to highlight their work here on Twill 218 because that is fantastic. Esquelis Linux 8.0 is based on Ubuntu 22.04, but it's not exactly a straightforward like derivative as just being based on Ubuntu. Squares Linux is based on Bode Linux 7.0, which is based on Ubuntu 2204 LTS, which is of course also based on Debian. There's also both a 64-bit version of Squares Linux and 32-bit version with more directly connections to Debian for that 32-bit support. Squares Linux 8.0 comes with Linux kernel 6.0.12, a new installer, and an upgraded developer pack of software. So if you'd like to learn more about Esquelis Linux 8.0, you'll find links in the show notes and happy anniversary to the Esquelis Linux team. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com tux. That's bitwarden.com T-U-X. Bitwarden is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, Bitwarden provides you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate passwords for you, and even generate usernames for you as well, as well as fill in those passwords for you automatically on login forms. You don't have to do any of this stuff. You can also access your data across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser, mobile application, desktop application, or even on the command line Bitwarden has you covered. Bitwarden also seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data, which is, of course is very important for a password manager. So go to bitwarden.com tux to get started. Did I mention you can start for free? Well, you can, but I think you want to check out their premium account because there's a lot of great stuff there, and it starts at less than a dollar per month. That's right, less than a dollar per month gives you one gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, priority customer service, and so much more. All of this for less than a dollar per month. So make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com tux to get your account right now. The Budgie development team recently announced the latest version of the Budgie desktop with Budgie 10.7. Budgie 10.7 has been in development for about 10 months now and has lots of new features and improvements to the user experience. And 10.7 implements support for the use of dual GPUs to allow users to launch apps with a dedicated graphics card out of the box, which will help greatly with performance. The Budgie menu has a new personal user menu feature that lets you open a file manager straight to predefined directories like home, documents, downloads, and more. There's also a new power dialog, which makes it easier to access common actions like reboot, shutdown, logout, lock, suspend, hibernate, that sort of thing. Along with that, the developers made a note regarding hibernation in that it is dynamically enabled or disabled based on supported hardware, and it is offered as a compile time option on distributions that don't provide hibernation support out of the box, which is very cool. Also new in this release is the Budgie screenshot feature that is built directly into the desktop environment itself, allowing you to quickly take screenshots of your screen, windows, or selected areas. Budgie 10.7 also introduces a new application indexer to provide more reliable indexing of apps across multiple directories. It also has a revamped widget selection and settings to display relevant developer information, and it has new and improved Raven widgets, such as including a usage monitor, which that will let you display CPU, RAM, and swap usage. And for those interested in trying out Budgie 10.7, you'll have the opportunity very soon because it will be available in the next version of Ubuntu Budgie, 
version 23.0, and the next version of Fedora Linux with Fedora 38 in the Fedora Budgie Spin, or as I like to call it, the Fudgy Desktop, or the Fudgy Distro. I don't know, whatever. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of the Budgie Desktop, links in the show notes. Speaking of Fedora, the Fedora Engineering and Steering Committee recently came to the decision to adopt the proposed unfiltered FlatHub feature for the Fedora Linux 38 release, which will make it easier to install Flatpaks from the FlatHub marketplace. At the moment, Fedora offers Flatpaks from their own FlatPak repo and also select number of Flatpaks from the FlatHub due to licensing issues. The plan for Fedora 38 is, though, to remove the current allow list approach so that when a user opts in, they will see all available FlatHub content, including proprietary software. This is great news because it means it will be an even better experience for new users to Fedora as they will need to manually enable uh, full access to the FlatHub like they is currently needed at the moment. And also, the FlatHub has around 2,000 applications in the marketplace, so this is certainly a good thing for Fedora and for FlatHub as well. So if you'd like to learn more about this news, you'll find links in the show notes. OpenMandriva has released a new version of the distro, but not just a new version, but also a new release structure with the Rome branch. For those unfamiliar, OpenMandriva is a successor distribution to the Mandriva slash Mandrake Linux distributions. Uh, Mandrake was a once beloved distribution many years ago. I used to use it myself, but unfortunately it was a bit ahead of its time and eventually was shut down. And from there, Mandriva was made from the merging of Mandrake and Connectiva, or Connectiva, not really, I don't remember how you're supposed to say that. Anyway, and those later became what is now Open Mandriva. There's a lot more to the story than that, but there's not really time to go into it much more than I have. But if you'd like to learn more about that, leave a comment on this episode, and we'll see. Open Mandriva 23.01 is a big update for the project because this introduces a new branch entirely set on rolling release structure. Now this version is to provide the latest software packages to users as an alternative to their traditional OS releases. OpenMandriva Rome currently features the KDE Plasma 5.26.4 desktop with KDE Applications 22.12 and the KDE Frameworks 5.101. This and also uses the Linux 6.1.1 kernel and a ton of various software upgrades. OpenMandriva Rome does not replace the existing workstation edition, though. That is still available for those who want a more traditional release cycle, but for those that prefer a rolling release model, OpenMandriva now offers that for you. So if you'd like to learn more about this, you'll find links in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the show and the channel, we have many ways to contribute. First of all, you can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com contribute, where you can get some extra cool perks by being a patron of this show, but you'll also become a patron of the entire network of Tux Digital, so you get tons of perks from Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts and more. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt at tuxdigital.com store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff that's there, like the hats, the mugs, the hoodies, the stickers, and so much more. Go to tuxdigital.com store to get some really cool Tux Digital swag. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with Tux Digital, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux. Good news.